0: Who in your life is stronger because of your presence in their lives? Who is encouraged by you, supported by you, prayed for you? Who is who is does life better because you're in it with them? Let's flip that question. Who is in your life that makes you stronger, that encourages you, that challenges you, that prays for you, that supports you? You're stronger because they're in your life. Hold on to those questions. We're going to circle back to them. But today we're continuing the sermon series we kicked off uh, a few weeks back as we're working our way through the poets. And today uh, uh, we're going to be looking at a passage you'll be reading through this coming week, if you're joining us, out of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is an Old Testament book. uh, Most people believe it was written by Solomon, King Solomon. And it's an interesting book because you read through it. There's some really challenging stuff. Uh, some sort of depressing stuff. It's, it's kind of a very philosophical book. And, and Solomon gives us observations about life and the world around us, about the meaning of life, and uh, about, about our, our place in the world. And so he begins chapter 4, as we're working our way through this today, with an observation. He has three observations. The first one begins in verse 1. Again, I observed all the oppression that takes place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. So I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. But most fortunate of all are those who are not yet born. For they have not seen all the evil that is done under the sun. So he begins with the Observation that there's a lot of injustice, a lot of oppression, a lot of, a lot of suffering in the world. He looks around and he sees all this and he says they have no comfort or they, they, they can't find comfort. Now, is, is he saying that God doesn't care for these people? No. Is he saying that God isn't much comfort to them? He's not saying that. He's saying that there's a point where nothing seems to really fully help. Where the pain, the injustice, the hurt in your life or the world around you, you make observations and words helps, support helps, prayers help, friendship and love. Yes, they all help. But there are some things you observe that that completely never heal, that are completely never resolved or fixed. They just kind of linger on and reminded of them now and then in life, like a broken bone that aches when it rains, or, or, or a limp that from a bad ankle, that it, it limps when you, you limp when you're tired. There's always something that's going to be a source of pain. And so he looks around and he says, I see the weak preyed upon by the strong. I see the poor oppressed by the rich. And he feels this pain deeply. And he says it would be better to not have been born or, or to be dead. It's just too much to bear, and there doesn't seem to be you know, any relief or any, any comfort. His next observation is that along with this injustice and oppression, people are driven by work and ambition. Let's pick it up again, where he says this. Then I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, nothing new. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. He says fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin, and yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. I observe yet again another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who's all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's also meaningless. And depressing. So Solomon looks around and he says, I see people working hard from sun to sundown. And people aren't content with what they have. And, and they work more and more hours. And they accumulate more and more. They climb the ladder. And Solomon's conclusion is, is that all of this is causing them to miss out on living life. And then Solomon gives us a third observation. This is the one that I think we can have hope from. He points us to a truth that if we apply it, it can move us from this cycle of cynicism or discouragement or despair or workaholism and break that cycle and move us to a place where we can enjoy life as it's intended. He says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the one who falls down and has no one to help him. Also, if, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So in response to the injustice and the oppression, the loneliness, the, the, the rat race nature of life, Solomon drops these verses into, into chapter 4. He, the, he says the key is to do life with others, to do life together, to be intentional about making sure there are people in your life who make you stronger and to make sure that you're involved in someone else's life to make them stronger. We're designed to be part of a community, in other words. You know, the the most successful sitcoms, they tap into this, don't they? Like back from the 80s, Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Or Friends became almost a surrogate Friend group for millions. God designed us to live in community. I mean, what's the worst punishment you can you can give to a a prisoner? Is to put them in solitary confinement. All people are created by our Creator to live in relationship, not to live life alone, not to do it alone, not to miss out on the point of life. We think back to the beginning. Back in Genesis, creation was not complete after God had finished with Adam. He stepped back and saw everything he'd done. He said it's not good for the man to be alone. So he creates Eve. God's greatest accomplishment in creation was not one solitary man, but the creation of of a human community, of human beings. We find significance from building relationships, from pouring into each other's lives. Now, as you read through Ecclesiastes this week, it can come across as pessimistic or, or depressing, but it's so deeply ins- insightful about life. He, he will say many times that it's all meaningless. It's like smoke. It's like vapor. Our work, our wealth, our wisdom, all these things. But he says, through the course of 12 chapters, there are two things that do have meaning. One is a relationship with God, your creator. And the other is relationships with others. And so we're going to focus on verses 9 through 12, which will speak to this. But before we do, I want to unpack it a little bit, a couple of things, a couple of clarifications. First, this is often, this passage I'm going to read is often used in marriage homilies, and that's, that's, that's appropriate. Uh, but but it's, this passage is really about close relationships in general. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. We all need somebody other than ourselves with whom we do life. Second, the design is not always a reality. You, you look at statistics nowadays and read studies. Loneliness is an epidemic. Many, many people feel alone in their lives, alone in their world. They're surrounded by people, but they don't feel anybody understands, anybody gets them. They feel, they feel isolated. Unfortunately, that often is the case. But God has designed us to do life together. The church, the body of Christ, is to be a community that we're transformed by relationships with each other, where everybody feels a part of things, where everybody's needed, but everybody also feels a sense of belonging. So let's move to the focus of our message today, verses 9 through 12. And in uh, in these verses, Solomon looks at three different scenarios in life. The person who does life by themselves, the person who does life with one other person, And a person who has more than one relationship with others, that's that's close and intimate. So let's look at the first. He says, This is the case of a man who's all alone, without a child or a brother, yet he works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? So this guy has a job, he goes to work, he makes lots of money, he's successful, he's moving up the ladder, but he has no close friends. And all his labor and all his wealth, they don't satisfy. And one day he asks himself, what is the point? And Solomon concludes, a life like that is too much work for what you get out of it. Now, there are two things we need to remember when we think about doing life by ourselves. First, one of Satan's key strategies is to isolate, to divide and conquer. You look at the story of Adam and Eve, that's what he does. He, he, he pairs them off against each other. He divides, he conquers, he isolates. Because he knows that when we're isolated, when we're by ourselves, we turn inward, we lose perspective, we're vulnerable. We're most likely to get hurt, to stray, to make mistakes, to struggle, to give in to despair. Martin Luther addressed this when he said, No one should be alone when he opposes Satan. The church and the ministry of the word were instituted for this purpose, that hands may be joined together and one may help another. If the prayer of one doesn't help, the prayer of another will. Second, it is impossible. It's impossible to grow to spiritual maturity by yourself. It's, it's just not possible. Some folks like, you know, I'm fine. I don't need the church I love Jesus, I believe this stuff, I'm fine. You cannot grow to what God has intended you to be apart from Christian community. It's not possible. Paul is clear in Ephesians 4.16 that it's only as we work together in tandem that we grow to spiritual maturity. We are designed to need each other to become all that God has created us to be. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it in isolation. It does not happen in a vacuum. So that's scenario one. A life without close relationships... Solomon says it's virtual poverty. He moves on to scenario two. And this is about facing life with somebody else who can then make it easier. Verse nine. Two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can help keep each other warm. But how can one be warm Alone. The second illustration is a fall. If one person falls, the, others, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now there's two circumstances in view here. One is just the physical. You fall, you need somebody to help you get back up. The other is, is, is a lapse in judgment. When you lose your way, you make a really bad mistake. You, you really screw up and you don't think you can come back from it. To get back on your feet by yourself can be pretty daunting, but then there's somebody to help you and to encourage you, to assist you, to support you, to help you get back on your feet, to get back on the path. And those of you who have made mistakes in life, like myself, you know how important it is to have somebody else in your life to help you at this point, to get back up on your feet and to find your way again. The third illustration that Solomon uses here is trying to get warm when you're cold. He says, likewise... Two people lined close together can keep each other warm. <laughs> but how can one be warm alone? Now, there's, again, there's two, two aspects to this. One is physical, right? If you're cold, really, really cold, you huddle up. Like I think of a number of years ago, about 15 years ago, I was hiking in the mountains with one of my uh, sons who was a grade schooler at the time. We got to the top of a uh, 13,000-foot uh, peak by ourselves several miles from the cabin, And it was a beautiful day, and then all of a sudden, as you know, the weather changed. Clouds came in, fog came in, the temperature dropped 30 degrees, just like that. And and my son began to shiver. And I tried everything. I gave him my coat. Nothing seemed to work. But eventually, I pulled him to me, and I just, just hugged him for about 10, 15 minutes until he stopped shivering and we were able to move on. There's the physical side, but there's also the spiritual side. When we're cold spiritually... We need somebody else to come alongside us, to, to spark us, to spur us, to move forward in Christ, to seek Jesus. You know, D.L. Moody, the, the evangelist back from uh, the early 1900s, late 1800s, told the story of a, a man who in his, in his church fellowship who, who decided he didn't need to go to church anymore, that he was fine, that he was a good person, he knew what he believed, he trusted in Jesus. He didn't need the church And so Moody went to visit him, and they had a conversation. He wasn't making any progress with the guy. But then Moody had an idea. There was a fire, and he went to the fire, and he pulled one of the coals away from the fire and set it off by itself. And he stood there silently with the man and just watched it as the coal began to flicker, and it began to lose its warmth. It began to lose its glow and become cold and dark. The man then said, I see your point. Well, Solomon's point here is hard to miss too. Life is going to have stiff challenges. We can try to do it alone. But when you have a a partner, a companion, two will will fare better than one. Now for the third scenario Solomon has. Last part of verse 12. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So Solomon says that everything he has just said about two being better together is multiplied even more when there's a third party involved. Haven't you found that true? There's strength in, in numbers. makes me think of the movie Gladiator when Maximus and the other gladiators are in the Colosseum, And he says we have a better chance if we stick together. If we stay together, we survive. But apart, we're going to die. Or as Benjamin Franklin put it during the American Revolution, we must all indeed hang together Or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Now that third strand that he's talking about can take a couple of forms. First, when Christ is at the middle of our relationship, we have powerfully multiplied our relational strength. And second, when there are three or more people committed to each other and their well-being, it's going to be so much easier to attack the challenges of life. I found that true in my life, with my wife, my parents, my family, Good friends here in Slina, friends I've known since I was in college. Each one of those friendships puts me in a stronger position. Who do you have in your life that makes you stronger? And who is stronger because of your presence in their life? You know, one of our primary purposes here at First Covenant is to to encourage and nurture and, and support these kinds of relationships. Our mission statement is we strive to be a high impact transformative community by going deeper in Christ and further in mission. Now, I want to focus on the transformative community. By being in community, we are transformed. We become more like Jesus. Our rough edges are, are, are rubbed off. And, and the community that we're in is then transformed because we're in it. We're better together. That only happens through serving with other people in the church, on a team or through a life group or a Bible study or through gathering together together on Sunday mornings to encourage people with your presence, your conversation, your gifts and be encouraged by them. Who in your life helps you be stronger? And who in your life do you help be stronger? A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So how do we do this? Pray for each other. Pray with each other. Share God's word with each other. Challenge each other. Encourage each other with God's word. Be vulnerable and be transparent. Let people into your life. Share your burdens. Share your joys. Love each other unconditionally. Solomon says, we are better together.